podcast in the gaming industry trademark 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 we are back together it was a slight week difference and you got lilo by himself but the the uh uh well i guess uh i guess i'm just back in the fucking building could be the best way to (laughs) put it Um, i'm sorry for everyone who had to deal with me last week but it was awesome and you know you enjoyed it but you know, it's definitely you know. fun to record with a partner. So let's and do that. so now that you, now that I'm back, you know what time it is. You already know what time it is. Hey, oh yeah, walk. that's right. Oh, it's plug, plug walk time because Lilo obviously did not respect the sound cues, and so Dude, we're bringing March it back. So solid. thank you, Rich the Kid, for that really <laughs> catchy sound bite. But anyway, let's start it off with the socials as per usual. At People Like Games is the Twitter. At Lilo PLG, if you want to talk to Lilo, hit us up. Let's banter. Let's, you know, let's interact. And you could also start interacting with us over on Reddit, uh, on our subreddit, r backslash People Like Games, is going live with this episode. So finally, lo and behold, we get in our element in October. Halloween's my favorite holiday, so it's 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 pumpkin sock season. It's it's good times all around. Anyway, with that, uh, uh, now back to the point. Where were we? As you can tell, we're a little rusty. Um, yeah, a little little rusty. Um, and so, let's. Well, that was actually good practice. That's all I wanted to do. I want to get a little practice a, a practice run in. I'm a little rusty. Oh, God. All right. Let's do it. Let's bang it out. Yeah. I mean, we have to. We got no other choice. Three, two, one. What's up? What's up? And welcome back to episode 52 of People Like Games. I'm Solo. And I'm Lilo. And you are tuned in to the best damn podcast in the gaming industry. Trademark, 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 trademark. Pew, 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 pew. Let's go, baby. And we are back to full capacity in the building. Last week, you had the opportunity to hear Lilo by himself. And it was, adventure. It was sort of weird to not be there and recording. But thanks to Lilo's poor, poor uh, recording abilities, I was able to join the episode as well. <laughs> so... <laughs> Get that burned. was a technical mistake. Not sure what happened. I'm talking to our sound guy about it. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and so you know we're back. And so it's business as usual. And with business as usual, you know how it's about to get down. That's right. It's plug walk time because we didn't have to. We couldn't respect the sound cue last week, and so I had to bring it back and do it proper with Rich the Kid. And so. Let's begin with the socials, as we always do. At People Like Games is the Twitter handle. At Lilo PLG, if you want to find Lilo. 
hit us up, say what's up, let's banter, let's interact. I guess we don't tweet as often as we should, and I will be doing it, and we will be doing it more often, but sometimes you want to just sort of detach from mobile. But we're back, and we're going to be at full capacity because we have a lot of things coming for you in the coming weeks. But regardless, where can you find the show? That's basically everywhere. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, Anchor. Subscribe, leave a review, leave five stars, nothing less. You already know how it goes. Find us over on Reddit, finally making that shit go live. I know we've been saying it for a bunch of weeks, but it's a go, and it will be launching uh, today, Wednesday, uh, October 3rd, because... We get in our element in October because it's fucking Halloween season, and in this town, we call home. Everybody <laughs> dance about Pins Home. Anyway, there go. Uh, and we're back, and so now, with without, uh, you know, I guess any more plugs to get into, I'm going to kick it over to Lilo for... The Talk. Uh, talk is the cable of contents... If you didn't know, and in the table of contents, I'm going to give you a rundown of what you can expect for this episode. To start out, we're going to be doing our quick scope, where Solo and I will give you a summation of the past week in the gaming industry and the news that you should be worried about, the news that you should be aware of, and the news that you should hopefully enjoy, because we're giving you a full scope of the industry. You'll be able to impress all your friends with the knowledge you learn. Follow that, we are going to be follow sorry i i fucked that up but we're gonna be following up with a solo recommendation and that is an article or a long form article rather as we like to call it that solo has found on the interwebs that is good reading and is gaming related and it's something that anyone who appreciates literature and gaming should read because solo knows his shit so yeah just letting him toot it on her trying to make him feel better all right it was going to be a rant doing a game spotlight and that's a game spotlight by me trying to show you the games that have been coming out that have come out or are going to come out and uh, want you to be aware of all those interesting little tidbits for those gaming fans on the world I'll give you a rundown of what this is gonna be a little bit later and I think we'll be wrapping it up with a final lap but I'm not entirely sure. Do we have something else? Yes, we do. Harry Potter RPGs. We do have a namesake interview once again. Uh, We're going to be introducing a guy named Bezos, who is actually going to be joining us as uh, the admin of the subreddit. PLG subreddit. PLG, PLG. People like games. And so... Gotcha. Yeah. And a lot of Harry Potter. So... And then, yeah, we'll end up with this Harry Potter final lap that we definitely want to fanboy out about. So, Just a little. Without further ado, Solo, why don't you kick it off? What we we got for the Quickscope? It is time, once again, for the Quickscope. It's been a while since we've been able to sort of play that sound clip in cleanly. So... A little thing that I want to start is to just sort of touch on a light topic or two just to get things flowing. And I guess it doesn't have to necessarily be related to gaming, but can be sort of correlated. But I'm on a little bit of a Spider-Man trip now because having just sort of obsessively obsessively beat the game uh, and with the second movie. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, you beat it? Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I did. didn't realize. When did you beat it? You didn't tell me. I beat it like a I beat it like a week and a half ago. Motherfucker. Yeah. You didn't yeah. you just been ruminating on the ending or something like no, that? No, like, I just like cruise through it. I just I just started playing FIFA. <laughs> <laughs> you immediately just fucking switched. Yeah, I just okay. switched over. All I was right. like, yeah. I gave it like a day or two of thinking, but you know, it, it did so it was cool when I saw Into the Spider Spider Verse because I like the fact that the directors are the guys who created the Lego movie and I think they have a really interesting creative eye. I thought that's what made okay. the Lego movie really interesting, which was just like a sort of very unique visual. And so yeah, the, they got a, this, like seven different art styles in it, seven different yeah. comic styles in there. Yeah, and that's super cool. I'm curious to see how it is. It's in theaters in December and I'm gonna go. And that's the yeah, sort of Miles Morales I really liked. And so that one is better than the one that's in the game. Don't spoiler alert. No. Just, just and hashtag, and, hashtag and the Spider Man there is cooler than the Spider Man in the Spider Man game. Fair. Peter Parker. But okay. nonetheless, that's also the, because the it's, awesome. uh, what's his face from New Guy? Yeah. Oh, Rick, who is it? It's uh, the main whoever dates. Oh, really? Uh, Zoe. Yeah. It, that it, makes so voice. much more sense. That's yeah, hilarious. You like him because you're like, I like the new guy. And that I did. I, that makes me so much more sense. I gotta go back and listen. I didn't realize that. But I hear you. Anything you got? Yeah, I mean, um, you touched on Spider Verse, which is obviously gonna be dope as fuck, and we're both gonna go see that. But the other news that I saw that's fantasy related, which hopefully can turn into gaming related, is like both Lord of the Rings and uh, the Wheel of Time, which is a fantasy novel series, an epic, really, fourteen books. Got picked up by Amazon. They're make some fucking movies, or rather, they're gonna make some TV shows about it. Genuinely, very, very excited. Huge fans of Lord of the Rings and Wheel of Time, and I just, I really hope they don't fuck it up. But that's that's pretty much it. Yeah, um, I'm curious to see what they do. Uh, I, eh, I guess we'll see. Anyway, let's jump into the stories now because we know that's what you all are here for, and so. Leading it off with a last-minute addition to the editorial, uh, the Ubisoft, Fig, Gimli, Alto, and Ultra are forming, and a number of leading blockchain companies, obviously, are going to be creating something called the Blockchain Gaming Alliance. It's basically just a partnership between blockchain companies and gaming companies to be able to teach gaming companies how to incorporate the technology and for blockchain <laughs> companies to be able to have a place to implement their technology. And so it's something we've covered on the show as a, you know, a technology that's going to be sort of fundamental to gaming in the future. You know, Microsoft those, has already adopted it for its, you know, payment system for independent developers who or independent publishers who, you know, release games on their platforms. And so, it's cool to see. It shows that it is something that's going to be taken very seriously. And I, you know, look forward to hopefully trying to get a couple of the people uh, who are founding members of the coalition or part of the companies on the show because we want to start incorporating some interviews from company people. So instead of always just talking about the stuff, we can start speaking a bit more with the people actively involved in it as well. I hear that. All right. Well, but, um, other yeah, that's a it, it, it was something to start it up, but we shoot it off seriously. <laughs> Starting off a little too seriously, I want to take it back a little bit. For any fans of uh, 
Solo's favorite game, Overwatch, because he's so oh, fucking yes. good at it. Um, oh, yes. <laughs> Stay silver, baby. I just retired. There you go. I'm glad you retired. Uh, any fans of Overwatch, uh, you might have seen on Twitter that Jeff Kaplan released a little video, and it's revealing the partnership that Overwatch has with Lego. If you're a fan of those building blocks and of creating things, Overwatch has now partnered with Lego and they're going to be releasing some products coming soon, in quotes. I have no doubt that it's going to be out for Christmas or for the holiday season, rather, and you'll definitely be able to see those Overwatch guys there. But if you're a fan and you want some, guess what? You'll probably be able to grab some in the future. I thought it was a cool move and I just want to tell everyone about it. I'm excited. I would love to see... I have two things to add. As much as I've not played Overwatch for a long, long time, mm-hmm. I am going to come back for the Halloween uh, uh, festival thing. What are they I called? Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Ho- for the Halloween event because Halloween I want to get yeah. Doctor Junk because I still like Overwatch. You know, Doctor Frankenstein Junk or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah Doctor Franken Junk. Whatever the case is, I need to get it. And I love Halloween, and Overwatch <laughs> is perfectly suited. And two. Overwatch should work to create a Lego Overwatch game mode for what they do. It's probably not that going to happen, crazy. but it'd be pretty cool. It's a yeah, reach. That'd be, that'd be and crazy. speaking of reaches, uh, Google and Ubisoft, Ubisoft, Ubisoft have been uh, working together on something very, very, very interesting. And that is they are going to be Test game streaming, testing a game streaming service that launches on Google Chrome browsers, and that's pretty wild. And so, that's fucking the crazy. Basis actually, of the partnership is going to be, uh, it's basically through Google's Project Stream, and it is going to be launched on Friday, October fifth, and. It will basically allow any individual with uh, any with simply 25 megabytes of internet connection and an updated version of Google Chrome installed on a PC or laptop to be able to play the game. There's no technology or hardware requirements other than that. That's pretty crazy. And so it is going to be on Friday. You can be able to sign up for the chance to get an invitation to play. It's not going to be available to everyone. Obviously, it's going to be very limited. But, you know, we have touched on in the show that Google is going to be dabbling in uh, game streaming services. And Ubisoft has themselves bet their future on streaming platforms. And so it's pretty crazy. You know, I... You know how we feel about it on the show already, Lilo. I've doubled down pretty hard on streaming as the future of gaming. Yep. And to to see to to see it be able to run on a Chrome browser, if it happens, it would jump ahead way faster than I had imagined. And no, Google I, I would become a significant player in the industry with a move like that. It would be undeniable. Like. <laughs> I mean, I don't really know what to add. How how the fuck are you gonna play a a game like Assassin's Creed Odyssey on a browser at full rate? I don't know. I'm curious. It definitely really would curious. change the landscape of the gaming industry. Mm-hmm. And there's I mean, a potential fucking uh, like we say. There's usually potential dominoes. This isn't a potential domino. This is like a a potential like discovery of fire 
<laughs> yeah, you know, it's yeah. like right in the middle. People are like, what the fuck? Well, I wish I had one. Uh, do we have a sound clip for that right now? Because if everyone doesn't know, Lilo's on the sound clip game. Throw it in. Oh. Throw it in. I, I, I mean, I don't know what you're saying. You fucking crazy, man. You sound insane. Do you realize that? <laughs> That's what you um, sound like. This aggression will not you. stand, man. You don't even know what I use. So when you go back to the episode, I want you to find out what I was using right back at you. Fair. And so anyway, that is going to be wild. It's something, uh, again, like I said, you can sign up on the Project Stream website. Uh, and we'll, we'll wait and see. I'm going to cover it. Uh, hopefully we get chosen. Uh, I signed up. And if we do, we get a chance to test play it. And if not, we're going to have a pretty in-depth report for you on it this coming week. Fair. All right. Yeah, moving on, I wanted to cover a topic and an update to something I actually covered last week. It's actually incredibly interesting that we got an update this quick. However, last week I covered how in terms of YouTube views, Fortnite is lacking or Fortnite is behind Minecraft. And I gave you some statistics about how many players are concurrently playing Minecraft and it was like 74 million. Now, the number has jumped up to over 90 million active users per month. To me, that is insane. So, to keep it in perspective, Fortnite at its peak has 78 million players that are active each month. Now, Minecraft, which has been released since fucking 2013 or whatever, like, or maybe even earlier than that, like 2011... 90 million players are playing Minecraft every fucking month. It's just insane. So, goes to show yeah, that... that there is staying power in video games. And if you do right by your consumers, they'll do right by you and play your fucking game. So, yeah. And it also speaks to people who sort of mocked Minecraft as Fortnite got bigger. Uh, it, they didn't realize, even as the industry gets bigger, some of those games that are already established, like Minecraft, are going to see a lot more users as well. Yep. And so 90 million users is a lot of fucking people. That's no joke. That's no <laughs> That's joke. That's a lot of people. Like Dude, we we continue. I was going to say an interesting statistic that I just saw like I didn't realize that Minecraft was actually released for free in China. And so there's over a hundred million downloads of the game in China, but that's because it was free, whereas everywhere else you had to pay for it. And it's just something to note like China obviously boosts those numbers up. However, Still a lot of fucking people. That's true. And I could see that as well. But anyway, what can you do about that one? What can you do? But speaking of now, we're going to take a a shift in tone here to a topic that, as you know, is something that does not sit well with me and it's obviously fucking loot boxes because it's always loot boxes because i still think loot boxes are a corrupt system and so in the latest uh, of news the fifa 19 ultimate team card packs odds were revealed which by the way i bought fifa it is not that good um <laughs> in the sense that way to sell it, it it has its headers are way too like difficult there's no reason that it should be like that. It should definitively be uh, simpler to use. Uh, not simpler to use, but rather it should be... Uh, 
It should be <laughs> hot diggity dog. It should uh, not have corners and headers be so fucking easy to score because if you have a taller or more powerful like team, you could just corner people. Uh, movement's a little tougher. Shots are sort of random, but that doesn't make uh, doesn't that sort of pales in comparison rather to how fucking bad the ultimate card pack odds are. And there's a reason now that a lot of these companies are not trying to self-release their statistics because when you realize that they market these cards that are called the ones to watch, which are players that have superior statistics over their base versions, if they end up performing well after having switched to a new team. So like say you get a Ronaldo card in the game, he's 94 but if he ends up doing really well on his team on his new team Juventus, he'll end up having a higher number uh, uh, statistic average in the game. And so, the chance to be able to win that is literally less than one percent. That seems sort of ridiculous, especially as something that they sort of market as something major for gold eighty five. Plus players, it's 4.3%. 82 uh, plus is 41. And 75 plus is 100%. So it's it's a little ridiculous to me still to see that, you know, one, I don't understand at what point a fucking card system comes into playing FIFA anyway, if we're going to be frankly honest. Dude, you haven't played in a while. I'm just saying. I understand the card system, and they've had it since, like, 2015, 2014. It's for Ultimate Team, if you play that game mode. That's is, it like a man- is it like a manager mode? It, it, you essentially can make an Ultimate Team by utilizing cards, and you manage your team, but then you play online in tournaments. So you can play Quick Play in Ultimate Team, and I could play you with Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo and Neymar on the same team, even though they're all on different teams. Oh, now. people make super teams and then play with go. their super but teams online. You need to buy cards to make your team, and those are the statistics to make that team. And to have those players that can, you know, evolve over time, which is the 1% thing that you're talking about, or you can have those players that are statically at 85 or 87, whatever the case is. I actually never knew that, and that's actually a pretty good explanation for it. Uh, that is pretty annoying. Still, it is. no no reason to make sense, and that is followed as well by a different article on loot boxes as well, and that is that the Irish government says that they believe that loot boxes don't fall under gambling legislation. Well, I would say that that is a bit hypocritical, coming from a country that was part of uh, a declaration. Uh, from the gaming regulators uh, European Forum, which is made of 15 other countries, which Ireland was included in, um, and which said that loot boxes were a blurring of the lines between gaming and gambling. The Department of Justice is sort of uh, backing away, and uh, the Justice David Stanton indicated that uh, he de- he believes that the department does not have a role to regulate game developers on how their games work, nor in offering of an in-game purchases. He's obviously getting paid pretty well from lobbyists or being taken care of, but that doesn't really matter because apparently there are in the process of establishing an independent regulatory authority, which is going to be over... Uh, 
taking uh, over gambling uh, legislation and regulation. And so it wouldn't even fall under their purview anyway. It would be the independent authorities. And so as much as this news is meant to be a sort of PR sense that, hey, look, someone believes that loot boxes aren't gambling. At the end of the day, it is sort of a meaningless, uh, I guess, theatrical move, which inevitably <laughs> is going to fall under the dominoes of regulation. But that's about all. Loot boxes, your days will come. In the end, in the end, you may try to run, but you are going to get hit. Hit him with the... Wait, where Fair. is it? I'm going to hit him with the bat because, as you know, right. the bat is uh, Let's uh, move on from that topic to shot. more depressing Super news. Smash, Super Smash. Uh, Nintendo not doing well in the mobile market, which we have covered before, and we thought that they were going to boom. We thought that everything was going to go well for them, but then they start fucking up, and this is another sign that they're not doing so hot. So they just released a mobile game called Dragalia Lost on your cell phones. And over the past five days, it has only generated $3 million, which is the lowest of any game they've released on mobile to date in the first five days. So these other games include Animal Crossing, which made $4.6 million, Super Mario Run, which made $8.3 million, and Fire Emblem Heroes, which made $13 million in their five days plus launch. Yeah, Dragalia Lost only made $3 million, and it sort of ties into us talking about Nintendo's days being numbered and what are they doing, their stock price is falling. They've been pulling a lot of questionable moves recently that are pointing towards a never direction for the company even though you know switch is amazing and they've released the whole lineup of video games coming out it's like are they panicking are they not panicking this is sort of another sign indicating that maybe their moves in the future could be a result of the panic of the market reacting to them not delivering good products or something like that i don't know the I, I just feel like they are sort of what Steve Jobs' Apple was, but in a sort of negative way in the sense that Apple had a closed system, but they were able to offer a closed system that, if not superior, okay. worked in superior ways for the demographics that preferred it. <laughs> and so, you know, so that's just a, to make a moot, to make moot the Android people that are going to be sure. up in my fucking mentions to be like, oh, Android's bad or no, it, will, it does what it does very well for the people who like it. And so, you know, it and so it was a, a simple integration was the concept that initially sold the Apple. It's simple and it's easy to use and all your entertainment service, whatever the case is. And so Nintendo sort of had that as well. Or, you know, coming in with the Switch where they had this sort of huge market advantage to be like, whoa, this is unlike anything else. And then they didn't just keep improving anything. And so same with the mobile. It makes me a little slightly worried about how Mario Kart mobile will be rolled out where my initial hope right. had been that sort of online gaming system with sort of independent, like dedicated servers that would be able to manage the multiplayer and all that but nintendo is looking like they have good ideas but that. they're not necessarily executing it all that well 
because they're, I guess, a bit of an insular company. But what can you do? Because, you know, as much as being insular ends up helping you, being insular also ends up hurting you, which is in the case of another company out of Asia, (laughs) one of our favorites. Let's hit it. Let's hit it. You know from the sound already who this is. Yes, that's both of us, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We roll in on it. And that's Tencent. And uh, this isn't the story we're going to get into, but they're actually basically restructuring their company because their stock prices keep tumbling. And now in more news, they are uh, actually going to be doing something even creepier than being a conglomerate. Um, And that is... (laughs) Yeah, right? Big Brother. Big Brother is the perfect phrase. Um, I wish we had a sound cue for you're being watched, but uh, it looks like they're going to be rolling out a new method of identifying king honor of Kings players in order to enforce playtime restrictions for underage players. That new method is facial recognition technology. And so while they had rolled out in August, a real name system that was, uh, that was basically you had to use your real identity to be able to create an honor of Kings uh, in-game name. And then that name was checked against China's public security database to ensure underage players don't exceed government mandated play time restrictions. That's pretty crazy. And so this is now a next step system because as we had mentioned, the government in China had cracked down on mm-hmm. uh, gaming as a cause of myopia in children, and it had taken a big shot at Tencent as well, going as far as to pull Monster Hunter World without reason. And so using facial recognition technology to check to see if a player is dodging restriction or time restrictions is sort of weird because if a predominant hey, number of your players China, are underage, you're using Just like... Same facial recognition technology on children without like sort of parental consent they do yeah but you know what china does they disclose the (laughs) odds of loot boxes (laughs) just like a proper democracy should right america anyway 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 um that is a pretty pretty uh intense um and pretty creepy does not surprise me it shows me that tencent is uh undergoing some of these methods to keep the Chinese government happy. And so by this happening, I I expect to see Tencent's fortunes if it continues implementing measures like this, uh, reversing again in the next three to six months. Uh, And then they'll be back to what they're known for. Skrilla, 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 skrilla. Uh, let's move on to but Africa. That's all. That's all we got <laughs> for Asia for today. It's a terrible intro, but this kind of relates in the sense that there are more things being done to appease individuals because of racist things that are happening in video games. And I, this is weird intro, but just to give you the rundown, Valve has announced a change of an artifact card revealed ahead of the game's release because there was criticisms and backlash on Twitter. So, the game's official Twitter for the game Artifact showed off an interaction of certain cards, because it's a card game they're trying to do, uh, 
and the card that they showed was called Crack the Whip. It interacts with hero cards and other, uh, I guess you'd say, other cards or other creatures on the map, but they have to have the same color. And so in this case, the Crack the Whip card is a black card, and so it can only interact with the black heroes. And as soon as people saw that in the video on Twitter, there was a huge backlash. And it's actually insane how immediate the reaction was and the turnaround was where <laughs> Artifact has officially changed the card name. So it's no longer called Crack the Whip. It is called Coordinated Assault. Valve has released no additional comment or explanation for the change, but I think everyone with a brain in between their two ears can understand exactly why they did it. Yeah. There was backlash. The phrase crack the whip, probably not the best phrase when you're using it exclusively with black yeah. heroes. If it was with every hero, maybe. But even still, it's ridiculous. Listen, I want to give it... I want to give it the benefit of the doubt and say that, you know, that's like, you know, when that someone yeah. that like title set with J Jeremy Lin and an announcer ended up using, there was a chink in the armor an actual phrase, and people right? were like, yo, that's right. And I was like, well, was he being racist or was it like, <laughs> yo, I use this phrase to describe this person. And it just happened to be that person. It's like, Oh fuck. Well, Shit, you know, if, if you're the, I somewhat, uh, you know, it's like, well, shit. So in those situations, right. in this situation, they saw it good. They changed it quickly without anything. And so good on Valve for that. I mean, they've been doing a lot of changes. They purged out a bunch of games recently as well. It was like 175 games I was reading. Uh, it's curious to see. But um, anyway, Taking uh one one little stroll back through Nintendo, uh, it has partnered with E League. Uh, curiously enough, to present the E three Super Smash Brothers Ultimate Invitational twenty eighteen. That is going to be the tournament taking place in June during Nintendo's E three uh presentation. It's going to be I guess broadcast in the following November and broken up into three parts. Looks pretty cool and does show that Nintendo is finally looking to solidify Smash as an actual competitive esports title, whereas it's shunned the previous iterations of the game. We'll see. Uh, Cross our fingers. This is one area where I guess we'll see Nintendo start making smart decisions, hopefully. So I hear you. Cross our fingers. It's an interesting beginning, and so we'll see where it goes from here. But... Yeah, Nintendo released some <laughs> other fucking games to play. I'm gotcha. tired of looking at Stardew Valley uh, and being like, I'm going to play funny is, like, you mentioned Nintendo, Nintendo Switch Farmville so I could play a game. To a company also hopefully making good decisions, but they are questionable. And I'm, I know you have a lot of thoughts on this, and I definitely do as well. But if you haven't heard, PS4 has finally enabled crossplay on Fortnite. And that was a, something we covered a couple weeks ago, if you'd say. Um, in particular, yeah, they are finally announcing the beta for crossplay. And in an article written on GameIndustry.biz by James Bachelor, there is an interview done, and the president of Sony Interactive Entertainment had 
some things to say. And so some of the things you said included, so we have to look at it from a technical point of view. We have to work with our partners from a business point of view. We have to make sure that if we enabled this, we, we do it right by the customer support. Do we have the right messaging out there? Do we have all these different things that you have to get in line? It's rather ordinal and they have to go in a certain way to get them all set up. His name is, uh, oh my God, what is his name? Sean Layden, there we go, yeah. Sean Layden, and he's essentially yeah. pointing to the fact that apparently it wasn't as easy as just enabling the crossover feature, whereas something we covered, again, a couple weeks back, there was an accidental crossplay between the Nintendo Switch and Sony PS4 that was as simple as Epic developers just enabling a feature that allowed them to crossplay. Say it again. No, that was Cyanix. I think so. Wasn't that Cyanix? Wasn't that Cyanix and Rocket League? Oh, no, 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 no. They actually did it. They did it with Fortnite by accident. Like, you could play on PlayStation. The accidental crossplay. Exactly, with other people. But yes, they can do it with Cyanix as well. Um, It's just interesting. They did it with Fortnite too. They were so staunchly against crossplay and they were trying to tout PS4 as the platform to play games on and to make it the best platform. But then now, within a week, they reversed their decision and are like, yeah, we're trying it out. They're trying to appease the fans. I appreciate that. Why the fuck the staunch opposition in the beginning? Yeah. Um... Uh, I don't know, Ready? really, to be frankly honest. Oh, yeah. I, I think that is a I question gotcha. that I am going to end up outsourcing over to the users over on the subreddit. Uh, and that is going to be whether the question of whether consoles uh, end up getting a percentage of digital purchases made on games. So if someone's buying oh, digital skins question. on Fortnite on a PS4, does Sony get a percentage of the total? And it makes me think they should because if you have to pay to be on the Google Play market or have to pay to be on all these other markets, it only makes sense that you have to give a percentage of your money to the platform. So we're going to, you know, source that out to you, to you all, and we're going to follow up with you all. And so uh, I guess, uh, I don't know. It's a curious question. I think it's something that, we're going to definitively answer because it, it was very is a very serious about face and that's what i'm most curious about and Why? it's something i do want to rabbit hole into right which uh you know it's why why why, why, why the about face so we're going to find out why and uh and we're going to give you the why because that's why we are here a a a and on to our final story here for quick scope uh, it's a little quick one. That is the fact that uh, the author behind the story of The Witcher, which is the uh, story that CD Projekt Red turned into the obviously very popular game series, uh, tried to request through the courts an additional $16.1 million in royalties, claiming that uh, the studio had exceeded its rights to use his IP and he was therefore owed a uh, share of the revenues. I think 
it may potentially be considered in court only because he can claim that he gave his rights to be able to make the game. But the fact that they then were able to source it mm -hmm. into a television show depends meant on the language. That yeah. They had to the renegotiate contract. the sort of rights to, you know, I guess that's, I mean, that's what I would think, which is like, un exactly. I, a part of me thinks that this guy ended up just giving exactly all the is, rights yes. up and now he sees how successful it is and it's like, oh no, what about my money? And uh, yeah, that's as, as pretty much what, what it's likely going to be. Um, and, you know, we're, I guess we're going to find out. But all in all, uh, curious, I do want to play The Witcher 3. That's the only reason I wanted to mention it. And uh, the fact that the Witcher television yep. show, which is going to star Henry Cavill, is one of the main reasons that he ended up dropping out of being Superman, which is it's also pretty good. curious. And I enjoyed that a little movie. upsetting because Man of Steel is going to go down as a pretty underrated version of a Superman film. I'm not going to lie. It stands up. Yeah. It stands <laughs> up over time. And it literally makes Let's the entire movie that Jason Momoa is doing fucking pointless. Like, literally pointless. Exactly. It's like, oh, let's do this whole story that ties in. And they're like, nah, yep. and what about the Flash? What are you well, doing, eh, DC? fuck it. We're just going to skip that storyline, too. And, you know, we're just going to make a bunch of Joker movies. That sounds like a better idea. Fucking. Who is, who is making these decisions to give, to give a throwback phrase? But that's all we got for the quick scope. I'm going to jump into now a super fast solo recommendation and because i don't really have a soundtrack i just played that zelda discovery thing and it felt right so i might just end up doing that as a recommendation but it feels like more of a discovery one but regardless uh this one is over on polygon and that is an article uh that is part of a series this article is an interview with pokemon veteran junichi masuda who was uh integral as part of game shark and as part of someone who's done uh composing for the music in every mainline pokemon rpg uh from the beginning down to you know pokemon green which if you don't know was the original japanese version but regardless it's part of a series called pokemon red blue at 20 and that is pretty cool because Pokemon has turned 20 years old and Pokemon Let's Go is coming out and the article sort of touches on the way right. that it does feel like new an medium. interesting reinvention of Pokemon, you know, for a new age in the same way that that original Pokemon Dude, did. 20 years, yeah. man. It feels That's like Pokemon's sort of finding franchise. another life again out of nowhere. And I don't know why, but it's working. And so 20 years is a lot. Yeah a long franchise and so that and it's just part of an entire series it's over on polygon uh it is going to be pretty cool i think it's very interesting to see why pokemon has been so relevant for so damn long and it's i don't, I don't know it's great art there's a lot of great articles in there that one junichi one is pretty interesting because they talk about how you know there's surprising things where you would think that pokemon was this masterminded concept that was like a billion dollar idea that everyone knew but in reality it was something where he himself says that game boy was a declining console at the time and people weren't really doing much for it and when he was going around telling people that 
he was working on a Game Boy game, though, like, really? Why? Like, that's a dying thing. Like, you're wasting your time. And so they were just sort of trying to get something out and to be able to do that. And that then evolves into what is now, you know, one of the biggest entities and creative, like, license properties of all time is just ridiculous. And so read more about it. It all started with those games. So that's that's pretty much all I got for you on that one. It is, uh, I guess now, the game time for spotlight. a little bit of... Uh, so, so you're talking about a story franchise and something that's been around for 20 years. Well, I'm talking about something that is based off of a franchise that had been around for 20, 30 years. And it's a game called Pathfinder Kingmaker. Now, for any tabletop RPG fan or any fan of D&D, you might have heard of Pathfinder before. It's, well, let's backtrack. Pathfinder Kingmaker is a game being developed by Alcat Games and is published by Deep Silver. Okay? It is a first isometric party-based computer RPG set in the Pathfinder universe that was successfully crowdfunded and released by Quick Kickstarter over $900,000 raised for the game. It was actually just released on September 25th. So, Pathfinder itself, if you don't know what it is, is an IP for the company. It was a modification of Dungeons and Dragons, and it was intended to be compatible with older versions of the game. So Dungeons and Dragons sort of evolved over time. And if you don't know what Dungeons and Dragons is, please, dear God, just Wikipedia that shit. You have to understand, it's a tabletop game, it's an RPG, it's how all nerds like us got by in the past without computers, <laughs> right? So Dungeon Dragons came out with different versions. Pathfinder, or rather Paizo, and I hope I'm not saying that wrong, but Paizo publishers were producing magazines for Dungeon Dragons. They saw that this new version of Dungeon Dragons wasn't to their liking, so they actually made their own version of it, and it's called Pathfinder. So it's based off of version 3.5 and yada 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 either way they made a very successful franchise that competed directly with Dungeons and dragons and it spawned a whole bunch of other games and things of that nature however this is the first conversion into a video game that is directly adapted off of the tabletop style so there are video games and they made pathfinder online which is mmorpg you could roll around in the universe and run around be your character right they just made a game for steam that is just like a tabletop game. If you've ever played Dungeons and Dragons, you'll understand that there's a dungeon master, you create your own character, you create your lore, you go through the universe, and you sort of explore and expand and like reap the benefits, rewards, or repercussions of your actions, right? This game is unique and one of a kind in that it is a single player game that's trying to do, trying to capture that tabletop uh, I guess fantasy in an actual computer based game so you know when you're adapting a tabletop game to a computer there's a need for a strong narrative and good writing to counter the fact that you're playing alone normally you're playing tabletop games with friends and you have a lot of interactions so there needs to be good banter and reactions and the dungeon master that you're usually playing with can influence all of that however you have none of that shit so they actually got these writers and these writers that helped uh, they based it off of Pillars of Eternity, essentially, but there's a whole bunch of games, and they have very, very good RPG writers. So, 
That's pretty cool. Um, yeah, I mean, the one thing to note is that there's a huge amount of detail when you're playing any tabletop RPG. When you're playing Dungeons & Dragons, you have supplementary documents that go around and like you can read 500, 600 pages of documents that explore the world around you, right? That's something that's very hard to do in a video game, but it's something that they actually tried to implement. Now let's get into the game itself. Why is it important? Why do you care? Well, it's a turn-based game that allows different classes, spells, and abilities to choose from, right? So there's 14 classes, apparently dozens of archetypes, whatever the fuck that means. Over a thousand spells and abilities, 11 companions, 200 areas to explore, side quests, and other events that you can do. The biggest thing is that, if you notice in the name, it's called Pathfinder King... Uh, Kingmaker, you actually manage a kingdom as you're going through this tabletop game. So, based off of the direct uh, description off Steam, your kingdom is a reflection of your character and your choices throughout the game. It is a living thing shaped by your alignment, your allies, your ability to lead your people. Not only can your kingdom expand, opening up new territories and allowing you to build new towns and communities, but your capital will physically change based on your decisions, your policies, and even whom you choose to ally with. As your kingdom grows, a number of factions in neighboring countries will come to you to seek favor and to test your strength. So, there's a shit ton of interaction, and it's, again, a turn-based game. You're going through a story, but it influences how you're making your kingdom and all that shit. The biggest thing about tabletop games, for anyone who's done it, is you understand that character creation is the most important part of the game, right? You have to be invested in your character. You have to know who they are. You're the one who's developing them, giving them the abilities, making their lore, giving them the backstory. So they incorporated a huge amount into this game, into Pathfinder Kingmaker, and that's one of the biggest features of the game. But one of the coolest features that I saw is that you can actually scan and send in a picture that is incorporated into your character creation. It's essentially part of your lore book, and... If anyone wanted to see a portrait of you, you could show your own scanned version or digital copy of your character, which is insane. So, as I said, it was released September 25th. It's on Steam. You should check it out. If you're a fan of Dungeons & Dragons and you wanted to see the essentially the first iteration of Dungeons & Dragons adapted to the PC in a manner that encompasses more than every other adaptation to date. Solo, have you ever played D&D? &D? <laughs> All right, he has no idea what I'm talking about. Well, the game is selling for 40 bucks and then you can buy different versions not. with additional features for obviously multiple, uh, sorry, idea. different levels. And it's 40 bucks, 50 bucks, 60 bucks, and actually up to 70 bucks if you want to support the game it's really cool story how they've been crowdfunded and they were successful and they actually released a game within a year which is kind of incredible if you think about that but that's also because they were in development and they needed some extra cash to finish it up they were able to do that people are pretty happy right now they're in the past week they've already released two updates so the game was released with bugs but they're quick to update them and address them from the community i think it's could be worth your time if you want to get that tabletop feel and you're by yourself on your computer so that's all I got. Nice. And now we are going to segue yeah. into the 
namesake interview series where we still don't have sound cue, which we should actually probably find uh, for that as well. Um, and so now take a listen. And welcome back to the namesake interview series. And we've got a pretty interesting uh, second interview, as you would put it, I suppose. Anyway, we have Bezos with us. You don't know that name, but you will soon. He is going to be the moderator of the subreddit, r backslash like games. And he'll be more involved in future in this, that, and the other. But without much further ado... Allow him to introduce himself. What up, everybody? I'm Beezus. I'm from Long Island, New York. Uh, I'm 23. Yeah. And he is a person who likes games. So anyway, we're going to we're going to jump into it because he's sort of uh, short for time, but might as well, uh, you know, chat up anyway. So how did you start gaming or what's the first game that you remember playing? Uh, let's see. So I'm the youngest of three. So luckily my brothers were old enough at the time for video games to be acceptable. And I was around to enjoy that. So I guess from what I can remember, I remember getting a Nintendo 64 for Christmas back in the day and a Game Boy Color. And those two were probably the most addictive things I've had for a young brain. The original mobile phone. Oh, yeah. Like tube TV, no remote for it. Like sitting like as far as the cord can go away from the TV. Back in the day, technology. Getting the fucking, uh, what's it called? Adjusting the the color settings. (laughs) I was going to say, remember when they used to sell the little flashlight? Or the the little Game Boy lamp because they didn't have that like screens back in the day. Jesus, back yeah, in the day. and it made like a huge glare on the screen, so you could barely see what you were doing. Straight up, which is hilarious. So, which game do you remember starting off with on those consoles? On uh, on Nintendo sixty four, it was a big deal when we'd go to to Blockbuster and we'd each get to pick out a game to rent, and we'd all have an allotted like slot of time to play each game. Uh, so. From that, it would be like obviously Super Smash Bros., but we own that one. Mario sixty four. Uh, we I forget the name of it. We had this crazy like space motorcycle game that like you shot lasers out of mid race. It was kind of like Mario Kart, but like I guess for like an older crowd. Uh, I and sort for, of wait, remember which one you're calling. Was it right? the Biker Gang one? I think so. Yeah, it was crazy. I Road I, Rash. I, 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 Okay, yeah. Yeah, that one. And then for Game Boy Color, obviously the Pokemon games, because I'm a huge Pokemon fanatic. So Pokemon Yellow and Red. And then like Harvest Moon, which was not much of a game, which is more of just like tending to your crops and like finding this random puppy (laughs) somewhere in the game. I was just talking to a friend about that because I was talking about how I don't like what Nintendo's coming out game-wise for the Switch and should I buy Stardew Valley? And he's like, it's like Harvest Moon. I'm like, it's sort of more like Farmville, but that's neither here nor there. I think they've done more with Harvest Moon, but there's only so much I guess you can do. Yeah. I just but, don't want to, you know, tend my digital crop. Seems sort of silly. I'll yeah. go for a Sims guy, more of a tycoon, 
roller coaster, whatever the case. But now, now you have your sort of foundation in Nintendo. That brings us to our second question. What is your favorite game of all time or your favorite game series? And is it Nintendo based or are you a cross platform gamer? Oh, uh, I mean, I, I tend to get around when it comes to video games. So I've had my fair share of systems and I still have, I have my super Nintendo. I have a 64 old Xbox PS2. Uh, right now I'm playing the switch and the Xbox one. Uh, so I, I, I get around, but I guess my favorite game, like at least franchise would be Pokemon because it's just so nostalgic. And now that they're finally coming out 20 years later with open world, well, what would be the most open world Pokemon next year? Uh, I'm, I'm really, uh, I'm holding strong for that one. That's why I got my switch. Yeah, but, uh, some eventual shit. Yeah, I mean, my Switch was like an investment at this point because right now I'm I'm kind of only tootling around in Odyssey and Breath of the Wild and Mario Kart. Mario, Mario and I Party. think uh, Mario Party comes out this week, so I was thinking of getting that. So you're but a Nintendo yeah. guy through and through. Basically. Yeah, yeah, I'm more or less Nintendo. Uh, Probably middle school, I was, you know, I was cooped up in my basement playing Halo 3, screaming at the TV. Uh, but Halo 3 days. What yeah, is it then about, what is it that makes you like games? Uh, I guess it'll vary. If, if I'm playing single player, I really got to get into the story where I got to like, like, I'm not like an MMO guy where I want to just like, level up one character in like a bunch of different aspects like i'd rather just play through the game and not have to do a bunch of add-on stuff like not go overkill i'll do quests like i liked fable fable was a fun game and fable Fable 2 like because i guess it was it was childish in one regard but like you had to be attentive to certain aspects of the other game so you could actually play well and not just get cramped up in one spot but then you have games like Pokemon where you could have like a level 100 Charizard and you're kind of just flying through the game, burning people alive. So it's, you know, it, it I guess it goes back and forth because then I'll play multiplayer games and I, I'll, I was on the Fortnite kick for a while. I'm pretty much off that for the most part just because it got boring. Yeah, it did. Uh, I, that's why I loved Halo 3 because you could do the online. They had like the capture the flag, like the little game modes. And then if you want to just play with your friends and do your own kind of battle royale, but with your own game types, you had custom games. You could play cops and robbers. You can do – you could go all – like I like doing whatever I want pretty much. I like uh, free roam games because like prototype for Xbox 360. You could run around and throw cars off the top of a building. Uh, it's – I guess it, it's just uh, – it's how the game's presented to me because I, I can be turned off from a game on site and then someone has me sit down and play it and I'll end up loving it or I'll end up hating it more. That's true. That's true. So then I guess building off of that, what is one piece of literature or an animated series that you would love to see made into a game? Uh, that's that's hard because I watch a lot of anime. But – uh. I mean, from what I saw today with uh, the Harry Potter game that's being developed, yeah. that, that's, that's awesome. That's my fantasies pretty well. 
because that like when they had chamber secrets it was so linear and i understand you have to go by the story because the story wasn't complete at the time and like there's a lot of games with animated series that are like that you can't stray too far from their already beaten path because they don't want you going overboard and have to come up with new stuff so they want you to kind of do what they want but now that that's like that story's over and from what it looked like with the customizing your character and the the characters that clearly weren't involved in the series that game could get pretty awesome as long as they you know stay on the right path of it absolutely but what would it be for you for me uh i don't know there's like because i i love anime so much but whenever they try to make video games out of them they tend to ruin them it, like it, 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 it's sort of a, a blanket question so for me i would have been like a great harry potter game and lo and behold they sort of arrived so if you had either a book or one anime like i would be most interested in seeing an avatar game avatar would be sick avatar would definitely but, be sick so pull, I'm pull one out of like, pull one out of your bag i mean they've already made the game but if they could make an actual good game be attacked on titan why? It was, because the 3D maneuver gear and like if you had like that open world setting where they're slinging around and everything and then you, you end up fighting these monsters of different meter classes or you end up getting to be a titan at some point where you have like that transformation and then becomes like a, a hand-to-hand combat thing. I feel like that would be – and then there's like a whole lot of like corruption in the whole storyline so they could add on to that. And since I'm reading it, the game, like the the story's just gotten out of hand. I'm not gonna say anything because I'm not sure who list, like reads it, but it, it's just they there's so much like many directions you can go with it that it would be such a crazy game with like the mechanics that are involved in it and the characters. I feel like if they the one they made right now, I consider kind of trash. But if they if they really went gung ho with it and kind of did like it would almost like Spider Man but anime, I guess. Now that I'm thinking about it. That's a good way. That's a good way to put it. I like that one. It, it does have the movement system, even though I, I yeah. don't watch Attack on Titan. But that would be interesting to see made well. But Yeah, it's it's a crazy story, which would have which would have a, like some depth to the actual game. But then the mechanics of the game with how you have to fight the Titans like they do in the show and what they have accessible to them, I think it would be pretty interesting. Yeah, I agree with that. So then... Now, closing up with two more questions. So first, what game are you playing right now? Right now, uh, I haven't gotten anything too new recently. I'm kind of like holding out for what I've heard is coming out. Uh, and I'm contemplating getting a, a PS4. But Do it. Yeah. <laughs> Do it. No. I'm fully PS. Because they have a lot of good games coming out. And I haven't seen much of the Xbox. And from what I've heard about uh, it. But then they got Halo uh, coming out, and that's the only thing you know, that I'm like. I, you could just hold on. I'm holding on to my Xbox literally to just play Halo when it comes out. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> but I'm not going to play anything else on it. But everything else I'm going to play yeah. on PlayStation. Like, I got Shinobi Strikers for Xbox because it's a fun fighting game, and it's Naruto. So I was like, yeah, why not? That's two things I like. Yeah. But right I'm, now, I'm I've been Strike Force uh, game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah that oh, be my fun. God. PlayStation. Oh, that's too fun. <laughs> I know you will now, so yeah, now let I the process it. begin. Because I'm converting everyone into PlayStation people until they're sponsoring the show. But <laughs> taking it to the last question, 
What is your most sentimental memory with video games? Ah, oh, man. I guess, like, sentimental from a, a, like a, a good positive aspect would be, like, Any going to Blockbuster game. and just having this library of games to choose from. And, you know, the save data doesn't matter. You're just kind of playing it through. And if you really like the game, it was like getting a demo on the, the Xbox Marketplace or something. You could play it as much as you could and as much as you wanted to. And then if you liked it enough, you went and bought it so you could finish it if you didn't finish it in the time you had. And I also like the idea of sifting through memory cards and trying to find which one had the right game on it so you could play. Like yeah, the amount of PS2 memory cards, game cubes. The, the transition to digital has taken a big chunk out of the sort of, I don't know, interactive elements of the whole gaming experience. That's why. Yeah. It's like a, it was buy, like a puzzle. Yeah. I always buy my shit physical. Yeah, which which annoys me with what Switch is doing because they uh they have the what's it called the bundle for Smash Ultimate, and it's you get the you get a download code when you get the bundle. You don't even get the hard copy of the game. I know I, that happened to me when I went to go buy Cuphead. I got the box and then they emailed me a digital. Code. I was like, no, you couldn't even put it on, like on a slip of paper and put it in the fucking box. Yeah, and then like they have um. A limited edition Smash Ultimate coming out with like the steel bookcase. Things like 140 bucks or something like that. And you can't even give a hard copy in the bundle that you're buying the entire system with. I was like, what? That's hilarious. Yeah, that kind of hurt. That's how it usually goes. (laughs) And... Welcome back to That's Right, That's Right. It's the final lap. It's actually not a de- <laughs> the wrong sound clip from, from Lilo just coming in. But this was this is one that we actually really wanted to get into. And so this could have taken up a good bulk of the entire episode. This episode is probably going to run long again anyway. We're going to figure out how to had to sharpen up these times, but this segment right here, it was beautiful. We will introduce it. If you're a fan of one of the greatest series of all time, of our childhood, of the 2000s, early 2000s to like fucking, I don't know what, yeah, 2010, you'll know that Harry Potter was like the biggest part coming out in the world well the one thing we definitely wanted for the harry potter world is to have a good adaptation of a fucking video game and as depicted on twitter and on reddit that may actually fucking happen because there's a released or rather a leaked video of a video game in development that many many people i i guess are thinking are real is real and I don't even know. I'm sorry, so I kind of fucked up that intro just because I'm so excited. Long story short, there's a Harry Potter video of a video game coming out that is everything any Harry Potter fan has ever wanted because of the fact that incorporates a real open world, something that allows you to create your own character and actually perform magic and interact with the environment and like do crazy shit that you hopefully would have expected. Open world Harry Potter Arbitrary. That's 
wild. So fucking but sweet. Actually, a lot of information has developed about it. And so, sorry, sorry no, to jump in, but it was just, we, we had initially thought it was when the, basically when it got posted on Reddit and started circulating, it was initially rumored that it was a Rocksteady game that was being developed, which was super awesome and exciting, but also confusing because we've on this show as well talked about how it's rumored in the industry how rocksteady is currently working on a superman game if you're not familiar with rocksteady they are the company behind the batman arkham uh, series and as you know they are now can should be considered one of the definitive gaming uh company publishers uh in the history of the medium because they sort of set the standard by which we'll see a lot of these superhero games made i.e. Spider-Man, which once Lilo gets a chance to play, we'll discuss uh, how much the game was influenced by Batman. But regardless, um, it looks like the game is actually going to be made by or potentially made by a uh, Utah-based developer called Avalanche Software, which previously had made the Disney, uh, Disney Infinity series. And after the cancellation of Disney Infinity back in 2016, Avalanche was closed briefly, but then bought by Warner Brothers Warner Interactive. Brothers. This is all from Eurogamer. <laughs> the developed's only sequent project to date has been a Cars 3 film tie-in, which launched in June 2017, but they've been staffing up for a larger project for some time. Job postings have gone from deep understanding of British culture and grammatical presentation to knowledge of gaming narrative and branch storytelling, particularly in the realm of RPGs. And they were also hiring AAA size uh, title developers and talking about a large scale console game project. And the game, which is tentatively titled Harry Potter Magic Awakened, um, is actually fits directly on the development cycle of what game avalanche is currently working on so for all intents and purposes without other information we're going to think it's avalanche the game is actually set to come out next year uh and so it's still a year year and a half if it's set to be launched next year you can guarantee it's two years away holiday of 2019 no not holiday The, the just the usual delay in development it'll probably come out closer to 2020 that video though it looks amazing. Wasn't it like, A, the graphics were polished, so that's fine. The the PS1 and PS2 video games that showed Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone and like the Quidditch game, they're all fun. They were great, but they were very linear and like stagnant and you couldn't influence anything. You had to just follow the path. Like you literally went from A to B well, to C to D no, all no. the way to Z. This... Well, it's because it, it comes down to this, right? And this is where the Harry Potter world's at right now, right? Every single game that was being made the story always had to either be the characters of like ron harry and hermione or it had to be correlated to you are amongst them and helping them do this thing now it's gotten to the point that they're able to sort of move forward so i don't think it had sort of enough of a, a world built in which i think the Fantastic Beast world is going to add to that as well, visually, etc. You know what I mean? Expand, expand the world. So a lot of the things that they had mentioned, they'll now show, so that they can create that type of open world game. Because 
at the end of the day, what do you really have if you had an open world RPG version of Harry Potter? You know, you're sort of just replaying the linear beats of the story for all. And that's why it's linear. No, I, I get you know? it. And I also. And so n- now, like, to have, like, yo, oh, we're going to, the classes, whatever the case is, it becomes sort of a standalone entity into we love this thing in and of itself we don't need the characters we're familiar with it can have its own storyline i think the biggest thing is that you're definitely right i I totally agree the games were based on harry's life and you know we were harry potter that's the whole point because we're playing a fucking harry potter game but then in this particular one you're apparently taking the role of a fifth year early 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 and when i say early before Harry's time and all that shit, the same way uh, Fantastic Beast takes place like eight years before. Just give me that. a goddamn one to seven one year game. Just give me a goddamn one to seven year game where you get a character creation mode. And you just go through the whole fucking school year. Yeah, yeah, you go through that your career. Would be cool. Yeah. However, you gotta have strife. You gotta have problems, and I'm sure they can. Yeah, no. That, develop that. But here. that's what the point. Of- that's what I mean by the game could be created in and of, a, in and of itself with its own story modes. Dude, I'm just excited to interact with the environment and to be a fucking wizard, to see what I can do. Yes. Yes. It's the same way people felt when they would get, like, a Star Wars game, like... Um, the Force Unleashed? What was that? Uh, yeah. Or, or no, no, what was that? Uh, Knights MMO. of the Old Republic? Yeah. Knights of... Not Knights of... The, the MMO. Uh... Or, uh computer galaxies i actually it? don't remember mmorpg it's not rpg why do you keep saying rpg it's a role playing game you're playing a character no no you create your own character right. uh what, what's not the old you hear typing is because we're both what's typing this game star wars the old yeah. republic no that's not it Dude. I think it was Star Wars Galaxies. Ah, whatever. Oh, man. So, you got any more final thoughts yeah, on Harry Potter? who knows? Anyway. No, no. This is a uh, relatively low-energy episode still because that I did not mention on the top of the show, but I probably should have. I went to CJ Cole last night at Madison Square Garden, and it was dope as fuck. <laughs> And I'm still super tired from a super long week, which was the same reason I missed last week's episode. So even if you didn't love the energy levels in this episode, you better get damn used to hearing us again because we got a whole lot new, 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 new coming. Um, We're going to follow more up on Harry Potter next week in an appropriate manner. And... Otherwise, uh, I don't got much to add. What about you, Lilo? Any nah, closing thoughts that we uh, didn't covered, get to? Uh, covered the bases. Last week was definitely strange recording without you. It's definitely easier to go back and forth. Sol and I are working on some iterative things. And then, of course, like you said, we got the new, new content coming out. So please stick with us. Please contribute. Please reach out. And I look forward to seeing your comments on Reddit. Look forward to tweeting with you on the Twitters. See you next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Peace.